Happy holidays and a happy new year. We are Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast, and my name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 124, published May, 19, uh, May 15th, 1979, and uh, the cover date is August of 1979. This one's called... He only laughs when I hurt. Oh, sad. <laughs> and on the cover of this one, we have Colossus, who we were introduced to last issue as the proletarian. Uh, he's got his Mario uniform on, and he's holding <laughs> up Storm and Cyclops. And by the looks of it, it looks like he would you know, crush their larynxes or break Cyclops' head off something. He doesn't have a very good grip on Cyclops, but he's got a... Great grip on the storm. He's holding Cyclops up entirely by his chin. <laughs> yeah. You would think that something would be snapping off. <laughs> Don't you understand, Colossus? We're your friends. He was one of the X-Men. Now he's power mad. He's the power mad proletarian. I don't know. I'm if... the power mad proletarian. I don't know that that really fits because he's not necessarily power mad. All he is is he's mad at the X-Men for turning him around uh, against his supposed mother Russia. Yeah, you can never trust these covers. All right. Well, it's a, it's a Cockrum Austin cover to boot. So, Oh, how about it? For whatever that's worth. So this one is uh, authored, co-plotted, and penciled by Chris Claremont and John Byrne with Terry Austin on the inks. Terry Orzachowski is our letterer and Glynis Ween is coloring. Roger Stern is editing and Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. Tom Orzachowski, you said Terry. Did I? You did. Oh, I really wish but there that's was because a... because you said Terry Austin, no. so... I wish there was a Terry Orzachowski. He'd probably be there much is. better at that. There is, but he works on Avengers. Well, well, there you go. I just get these names so confused. Um, <laughs> so we open up this comic book uh, with Arcade laughing hysterically. Uh, <laughs> pretty much. Um, while in the background on a Vizzy screen, Cyclops is blasting away at the proletarian while Wolverine looks on. Now, there are three other Vizzy screens featuring all the other X-Men, but last issue he was flipping between each of them. Oh. So... Did he have these monitors recently installed? Yeah, I don't know. And actually, if you look at the last page of the last issue, the the whole control deck seems to be completely different. Well, not completely different, but it's definitely missing those monitors. Yeah, I don't know. And now for something completely different. There you go. He had, uh, what, Chambers, Mr. Chambers or whatever, come and install a few extra monitors because he's like, look, I'm Arcade. I want to see somebody die. Well, he doesn't. Every time somebody <laughs> dies, he's like, I'm squeamish. Yeah. Ooh, blood. I don't like that. So uh, here he goes. He's uh, laughing at the girls that are wrapped up in the presents, if you will remember. He's crying. He's laughing so hard. Yeah. Uh, he is a crazy man. Ooh-ha. I'm laughing so hard it's making me cry. I'm also rethinking my game show voice on him. I, I, just, uh, I just don't think it really captures Arcade's essence. So I don't know. I feel like he is supposed to be the the Joker of the Marvel universe. Yeah, very well could be. Just like he's a human, he's got no powers. He's just wealthy and crazy. Yeah. Although, although was the Joker wealthy, or was he just crazy? He, well, no, I guess he was. I, don't, I really don't know to be honest, but I, I think he was just crazy. 
Mm, all right. Well, anyways, he's uh, he's he's not being a very nice person to the girls here. In fact, uh, he he talks about how crazy he is, and uh, he steals a kiss from Colleen Wing. Not sure what he's doing with his fingers there. Snapping his fingers, maybe, or playing the world's tiniest violin, one of the two. Something like that. It's strange. <clears throat> Excuse me. Colleen says if her hands were free, she would give him something stronger than a kiss. Mm, temper, temper. You know you're beautiful when you're angry. I think your voice is more appropriate. I'm not even going to try for the Joker thing. I'm just doing this weird thing right now. Well, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Colleen wonders what sewer he crawled out of, and this is where we get a little bit of Arcade's origin. Let me tell you a little story. You want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> he was a spoiled rich kid, and when he turned 21, his dad said he was no good and cut off his allowance so the next day, he cut off Daddy's life. Not sure why he needs to be wearing a costume to blow up his dad's car. I have no idea. He's got like a little cat burglar outfit. He's got the little goggles, a hat. In the previous panel, though, I mean, it looks like he's got the life. Allowance or no, he's like surrounded by bikini babes sitting on the beach side or on the uh, pool side. Little do we know those are his sisters. Well, he's probably just crazy enough to be like, this is hot. <laughs> And uh, it was then that he realized he had a great talent for murder. So he was the best hitman in the States within a few years. But that was still boring him. I, somehow I don't believe, like in the Marvel Universe, there are so many hitmen. I find it hard to believe that Arcade is the uh, the, 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 the greatest. Uh, well, maybe in his own mind he's the greatest. Maybe he was like really bad. And the reason he was so bored at it was because... I don't know. He was bad at it. <laughs> Listen, ladies, I'm telling the story here. <laughs> and so that's when he combined his genius, wherever he got that from, with his daddy's fortune and created Murder World, the first assassination amusement park. Which uh, I, I finally read um, Marvel Team Up 65 and 66. All right. And we also learn in this issue where uh, it's located, but in... in Marvel Team Up 66, we learned that Murder World is underneath Manhattan. Oh, okay. When Spider-Man escapes, he escapes out of a sewer that leads straight into Manhattan. Oh, right. I do actually recall that. I think all of the escape hatches just take you to various places in Manhattan, making it difficult to find... Good old Manhattan. Manhattan. Manhattan, making it difficult to be able to retrace your steps to figure out where exactly it is, but... I don't know. Still, I mean, there's like there's a crane in here. There's he's like talking <laughs> to people with schematics. I mean, may, well, maybe he killed all these people after they constructed it. Yeah, it's the sewers. Yeah, maybe these are sewer people. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Maybe they're Morlocks. No, they're pre-Morlocks. So uh, it was an instant success, and before long, he was bored again. He'd built his Disneyland of Death, but he needed a worthy foe. So. In here, it looks like he's killing a butler, or, I mean, at least he's got, you know, Kid Cyborg is killing a butler. I'm assuming that's, like, a, a rich man. Mm. So do you think he's doing hits in Murder World, or do you think he's just finding random rich people and throwing them in Murder World for them to die? Good question. I I think he's doing hits because he, talk, he talks about being a hitman, but mm -hmm. I wouldn't put it past him to just find random rich people. Hmm. I'm a little bit crazy. <laughs> so that's where yeah. we... 
tie into the Captain Britain Spider-Man thing where Messers, Rourke, and Morin, members of the European Magia, Magia. I, I actually looked up the Magia because it, it's, it's come up before. Yeah. Well, and the... it's just the Marvel Universe version of the Mafia. Yeah, okay. They didn't want to use the actual Mafia because uh, back in the, the 60s, uh, newspapers and comic books were kind of run by the Mafia. Oh, nice. <laughs> so they didn't want to say anything bad or, or they had ties to the Mafia. Sure. I don't know that they were run by it. So they came up with their own version of the Mafia called the Magia. Okay. Oh, nice. Is that how you pronounce it too? I have no idea how you pronounce it. Oh, okay. Well, Magia, Magia. I like Magia. It's very close to Mafia. We'll go with that for now. Right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> I think like wasn't the porcupine and such, wasn't he a part of the Magia or Yes. Uh what's his name? Uh Nefaria. Nefaria is one of the 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 head honchos of the Magia. Okay. So the very first superhero contract was Captain Britain, and even though they beat him and escaped, he loved every minute of it. And this is what loved every minute of it. This is where he got his rush and his taste for putting superheroes into murder world. I was getting set for a rematch with the wall crawler when Black Tom Cassidy and Kane Marco, the juggernaut, in case you didn't know, made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Well, Arcade, <laughs> what's your decision? Black Tom asks. The X-Men are good as dead, and within an hour he had captured them, that being the easy part. Yes, they never knew what hit them. And he's having a good old time. They, he is not disappointed by tonight's action. But enough talk. It's time we look in on how our merry mutants are doing. So with that, we flip over to Cyclops and Wolverine, who are fighting Colossus as the proletarian. They're trying to reason with him, but it's just not working. I told you I am no, I'm Colossus no longer. I am the proletarian, hero of the Soviet Union. Yeah. <laughs> they turned him against his motherland, tricked him into betraying all he ever loved, and for that, they will pay. And that's... Wolverine freaks out. You're crazy, bub. You've betrayed our trust. And then he talks about his adamantium claws. Wait. Has he mentioned his adamantium claws before? I think maybe once before. I don't... This is something that we should keep track of, because I think when I read this, I was like, I don't think he's used the word adamantium before, but... I always wondered if my adamantium claws would cut through your steel hide, Rusky. Now I'm going to find Erg. I think not, little man. Little madman. Yeah. He tosses him into a wall, which would kill a normal man, but he fl flips through a trapdoor. Yeah, and the trapdoor goes spinning around. It's it's some kind of revolving door, thinks Cyclops. I'd better get after him. Lord knows the sort of traps are on the other side, and if I'm lucky, I'll have a chance to figure out how to deal with Colossus. Too late, the door is sealed shut. I better use my blaster. Oh, wait. It's too late. <laughs> My deadly eyes. There's no time. <laughs> Comrade, you cannot escape me that easily. Colossus picks him up and tosses him into the opposite wall. Uh, Cyclops thinks to himself, no, he's tossing me with the length, of the, the length of this corridor. I don't have Wolverine's unbreakable bones. I think that's a first. So in the issue where they were in the Savage Land, he says... 
uh, Wolverine says something like, uh, there ain't been much that can break my bones. The first hint that he's got some heightened bone density or something. This is definitely, I think, I'm, I'm almost positive, the first time that somebody's saying that his bones are unbreakable. They're not adamantium yet, though. Nor are they laced. They are just unbreakable bones. <clears throat> so one could infer that his mutant power is to have unbreakable bones. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> so he thinks that the impact is going to splatter him all over the wall, but he goes and he through... too flies through a trap door. Lenin's ghost, another secret door. I have failed. Cyclops and Wolverine both live. I am glad. What am I saying? They are enemies of the state. Colonel Vashim of the KGB told me so. I remember his voice. Lights burning through my very soul. Yes, that's when I betrayed myself by talking about how the lights were bright. <laughs> if you all recall last episode. And also, Colonel Vashin was part of that oh-so-confusing classic X-Men backup story. Which I think maybe took place before this story. I, maybe, just so that that actually lends some importance to who Colonel Vashin is. Yeah. So Colossus could be like, oh, it's Colonel Vashin. He helped me once. Why would he lie to me? <clears throat> but then how would Arcade know about that? I also wonder if maybe he's a real person. <laughs> like in the real world. Not, oh. Not Marvel Universe, but... Well, I don't know. Like, Could... like they drew from some particular KGB guy. Sure. Could be. They've been known to do things like that in the past. Well, anyways, uh, before uh, anything else can happen, Arcade switches over to see what is going on with Storm, who I have to be honest, has the most boring subplot in this issue. But, anyways... Uh, she's flying around, and uh, she's in a room uh, that's filling up with water, and uh, I guess the water is countering her ability to control elements, or maybe it's the room, something like that. And uh, anyways, he gets, she gets pushed down into the water, and uh, she swims, and she's trying to get to the surface, but by the time she actually does get to the surface, the water has risen to within a few inches of the ceiling. So now she's kind of freaking out because of her claustrophobia. Oh, yeah, I forgot about her claustrophobia. They don't really uh, push it the way that they usually do. No, it's kind of subtle. But still, it took six pages for us to do all of or six panels for us to do all of that. Yeah. So <clears throat> let's move our attention back to Cyclops, who's much more interesting than the Storm story. Colonel Alexei Vasin is not real. Oh. I just looked it up. So Cyclops, he went through the trap door, he goes down the chute, and he lands in the terror dome that is where Nightcrawler and the buzzsaw cars are. As we recall, Nightcrawler got horribly buzzsawed and is probably dead, and it looks like he is dead. Yep, laying on the ground there, Cyclops is going over to figure out what's going on. He blows this room is shaped like a giant chromium goldfish bowl. And he blows away one of the, well, he he blows away the only buzzsaw car he sees and assumes that all is safe. And that's when he goes up to Nightcrawler and indeed does notice that he is bleeding. It's only a scratch. One of those manic dodge. Oh, where's my accent going? <laughs> Cars came a little too close to comfort. Doing a little Indian there. <laughs> Um, Manic or Maniac? Don't you think it should be Maniac Dodge'em cars? It could be Manic. I suppose. If I knew... I don't know if they're particularly Manic, so... Yeah, I I would say Maniac would be better, but whatever. We'll we'll take Manic. You might be onto something. If I were... If I knew where we were, I'd teleport us out of this verdammt nightmare. 
And if it wasn't for Classic X-Men no longer doing the retcons, we could expect to see Verdamp to be like, what would it be? This blazing nightmare. <laughs> well, no, didn't they keep the uh, the foreign language stuff? Oh, maybe. I don't remember. It's been a while. <laughs> All right, well, I can't harp on it anymore because they're not doing it. So, <clears throat> Well, we don't know that they're doing it. They could still be changing that. <laughs> um. So he says uh, uh, Cyclops... He says he's uh, here to help. He zapped the car, and uh, Nightcrawler says, It's not the car, it's a car, look! And then four more cars with uh, similar buzzsaw contraptions come out at them. Oh, brother, they're hunting in pack now. Well, they all look like they have teeth, too, which is kind of cool. Chomper teeth. (laughs) Arcade says that he truly like loves his death race, mostly because the screams he hears are real. As opposed to most <laughs> death races where the screams are fake. Yeah. Um, Wolverine's trap door has led him to the room in which Banshee last issue was stuck with the crazy airplanes that we were unable to identify. Uh, and the narration tells us that this is the latest episode of Battle Star Wars 1999. <laughs> Stupid. And there are spaceships that do look like the uh, Battle Star Galactica ships flying around the room. Oh, is that what they look like? Yeah, kind of. I was thinking they were kind of X-wingish, but without the X. No, that's like the Starbuck Apollo ships from the seventies. Okay. Battle Star Galactica. Take your word. Um, and that's, uh, Banshee, he, he's, he's happy to see Wolverine, but he also talks a little bit about, uh, if his sonic scream were available, he would be able to use it as a kind of a radar to pick up which of these planes are fake and which of these are real. But with, uh, without it though, I'm helpless. I'm not. Hit the deck. And that's when Wolverine realizes that uh, Banshee's injuries are more serious than he originally thought. I'll get us out. I don't just see with my eyes alone. I use all my senses. And holograms just don't carry a scent. Yeah, I thought there was a wall here. And then he rips the panel open. Which, okay, fine, whatever. Heightened senses and all that sort of stuff. But couldn't Banshee have just been feeling around and like, nothing, nothing, oh, wall. <laughs> But I suppose Banshee doesn't have the uh, additional strength that Wolverine does to pull this apart. Now, let me ask you this. In modern-day Wolverine, is he strong or is he just claws and unbreakable bones? Um, I think he's strong, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, they, they don't really—Wolverine's never one that they've played up his strength. That's not necessarily true. I mean, in the early, early days of X-Men, all new, all different, they tried to play up that he was— stronger than the average man yeah i don't think that's ever really changed he's definitely stronger than the average man okay but can he rip apart nowadays like i don't know the current storyline is he doesn't have his healing factor anymore so oh um but is he strong enough to rip apart walls like he's doing here well these are very flimsy walls ah sure sure no that makes (laughs) sense excuse me but behind that wall it turns out that it's the Hulk and Magneto who, for some reason, have teamed up inside of Murder World. And what a great color combo they make. Red, purple, and green. Ah, uh, yes, the Marvel defaults. <laughs> and that's when... Sorry about this, ex-chumps, but Spider-Man already used that particular route, and no one gets to fake out, ar- gets to fake out Arcade the same way twice. 
It's true. That's how Spider-Man got out, and he was able to crawl through and uh, sneak up on Arcade. Yeah, but see, the problem is, Adam, you can't use that voice with this facial expression. Oh. Sorry about that, X-Chumps! I, I, think, it, I think you need more, because look at that gigantic <laughs> toothy grin he's got. Nobody real talks like that. <laughs> <laughs> or looks like that. I'm just saying, like, he, he is definitely having the time of his life right there. I think, uh, I think um, John Byrne went a little overboard when he drew this one. This is why I think he's based on the Joker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is like sure. this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyways, back uh, at the boring part of the story, Storm is still underwater, and uh, she decides that she cannot have her cape and her boots weighing her down, so she takes them off to fanboy. Stripping down to her bathing suit. Oh, yeah. Fanboys around the world. I'm surprised she doesn't need to take off her bathing suit as well, just... Because of the way that these stories usually play out. Yeah, she's from Africa. Go naked. Come on. <laughs> of course. And uh, so she um, she talks about a little bit of a, like a pearl diver type thing where she comes up, takes a huge breath so that she can go back underwater for an extended period of time. And she finds a grate, um, which apparently she thinks will get her to safety. So she uses her lightning powers to... Um, I don't know, melt the welding around the grating so that she can get through. And then we go back to the buzzsaw cars. Buzzsaw cars! <laughs> and Cyclops and Wolverine, or, geez, Cyclops and Nightcrawler are evading the vehicles to the best of their ability. When suddenly using his amazingly unseen skill, Cyclops manages to destroy all the buzz car, or a buzzsaw <clears throat> cars simultaneously using angles and geometry and what do they say here inborn talent for spatial geometry honed by months of practice in the danger room that makes him aware of the position of every car in the room he destroys one two three four five six seven eight buzzsaw cars simultaneously hang on so it goes zarp zap nothing interestingly zoop zorp zrap zack zram and that's where it ends wow yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, but I'm almost wondering, because, uh, well, Nightcrawler says, uh, how did you? And that's when Cyclops says, I haven't tried that stunt in ages. I'm wondering, is that a callback from old school X-Men, where he would do the same type of things in the Danger Room? Not that I recall. You don't recall, like, crazy ricocheting Cyclops shots? My memory sucks. Oh, because I do. So I, I, as I read this, I was like, this is a callback to the old issues. It's got to be. Okay. I like it that way. I think it's better than just random uh, happening. It, it seems out of place otherwise. Oh, it's it's cheesy as all get out. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I don't know. Anyways, he says, uh, it's it's nice to know the old skills haven't atrophied. So I read it, it as a... a hole in the wall. Yeah. <clears throat> My first shot took care of the cars. My second made us an instant exit. I'm so cool. After you, Nightcrawler. Danke, I think. Which I don't understand. Wouldn't you just be like, thank you, I couldn't get myself out of there. Yeah, I was like, I guess maybe because maybe they're out of the fryer and into the frying pan or whatever. Sure. Out of the fire and into the frying pan. So they decide that they're in some sort of a maintenance tunnel. Uh, Cyclops, using his excellent planning ability, says let's split up because that's what you do. And you so betcha. They do. And uh, this third panel here where Nightcrawler jumps up into a maintenance tunnel, he gets very inked. 
Uh, so I'm wondering if is this a call to his disappearing in the dark skill? It definitely is because yeah. we see more of that later. Oh, you're right. We do. Yeah. <clears throat> no classic X-Men to retcon this particular panel or two. Yeah, that's true. Well, Mr. Chambers is, I think his name was Mr. Chambers, wasn't it? Yes, Mr. Chambers, who also was in 65 and 66. It's been, it was the three of them okay. as well. I think last issue I didn't know. He now, he now mentions that there is definitely troubles. Uh, they're unable to compensate for the large amount of power that Storm is generating. I've analyzed their attack and there is a threat. Miss Locke says, you needn't worry about the girls, Arcade. I've taken care of them. And Arcade says, permanently, I hope. Like, doesn't that mean, like, you you killed them, right? We will never find out what she meant by that. Right, okay. (laughs) Well, anyways, Cyclops continues on uh, looking through the tunnels, trying to find people. uh, And he hears the sounds of what sounds, or he hears what sounds like a fight, and he stumbles in upon Banshee fighting Robot Magneto and... Wolverine fighting robot Hulk. I've been waiting for this a rematch with I've been waiting months for a rematch with the Hulk. Too bad you ain't the real thing. So it's only been months since Hulk 181. They've done an awful lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> since... Looks like Banshee's removing Magneto's head here. It does, doesn't it? And so that's when we see more of Nightcrawler's invisibility power as he is in the maintenance tunnel looking through a grating onto Arcade, who is viewing uh, Cyclops and Wolverine, who are fighting. He even refers to his power. As my mutant power becomes more or less transparent in the shadows, Herr Arcade, finding me in his shaft could prove nigh impossible. Na 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 boo boo. <laughs> but why hide? It'll be more fun teleporting out. Here we go. Boo! Boo! <laughs> Holy Holy jumping yikes. There you go. Somebody, anybody help. Miss Locke jumps in. Stay calm, Arcade. I'll deal with him. With a shotgun, she blasts at him, but Nightcrawler jumps over. Doesn't teleport for some reason. Guess he doesn't need to. Socks her one. Apologizes because she doesn't. He doesn't usually like to strike beautiful women. Yeah. But then he grabs her gun. He needs it. And he shoots out holes in the console which apparently has no effect whatsoever it blows up the visi screen i'm thinking but that's great that's when arcade says chambers the gas and apparently he fills up the room that they're all in with gas just the panel that nightcrawler is standing over right so the rest of the room is fine it's just the area where nightcrawler is that's gassed right So, meanwhile, Cyclops uh, jumps in on the fight with the robots, and he blows a hole through Magneto. And that's when all of the stories collide as water pours through another vent, which flows... We get Cyclops saying, I've never heard Sean sound so dispirited. So, you know, a little more character development on what's going on with Sean. Yep, definitely. And uh, that's when Storm joins us in a torrent of water that floods the room and pushes them all to a new room. Look at Wolverine in this panel, the first panel with Storm. He's, like, shooting water out of his mouth like a little fountain. It is very comic (laughs) book-ish. I should say Sunday funnies-ish. But anyways, Cyclops notices that Storm is um, out of commission, so she runs over to him, or to her, rather, and gives her mouth-to-mouth. Come on, Aurora, breathe, damn it. Breathe, my eyes. My deadly, deadly eyes. And Storm says, I would breathe if you just get your mouth off of me. (laughs) 
She accidentally calls him Cyclop. <laughs> and that's when Colossus, as the proletarian, joins into the fight. Banshee is happy to see him until he strikes him, which I would think would kill Banshee. Yeah, he and it's a bit is a furious backhand. Yeah. Ow. So much so that Banshee is upside down, head is cracked around, and he's flying away from that fist. He's out for the count for the rest of the issue. Uh, I'm so, yeah. Wolverine comes in, and he's he's mad. You're, you're out of your flaming gourd, Rusky. Colossus grabs one hand and pulls Wolverine towards him and hits him in the face with his other hand. And that's when he grabs Cyclops and Storm by the necks, a la the cover, and he's about ready to crush their necks when Storm says, Peter, why? We are your friends. You lie, woman, as Charles Xavier lied when he used his cursed mental powers to cloud my reason and subvert my loyalty to Matharasha. I'm not going to read that whole thing. Treason, mama, papa, shame, myself, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> I'm no good at this. <laughs> Storm says, Peter, listen to me. When I was a little girl, I grew up alone. No family, no real friends. Blah, blah, blah. You're my brother. That all changed when I joined the X-Men. Scott is right. You are all family. We could never lie to you or betray you, Peter. We love you. You're like, like the brother I never had. Me? Like a brother? Yes. Yes, it's true. Oh, my friends, my dear friends, can you ever forgive me? We have officially vanquished the idea of Colossus and Storm ever becoming a couple. Yes, it's definitely platonic from here on out. Arcade pushes a button, says, ah, uh, well, I can't, can't win, them, win all. them all. And uh, the floor that they were in folds up into itself, creating a ball which is shot up through a series of tubes and ex uh, exits out of the Tunnel of Love in some amusement park. It's in the in Bronx. The long abandoned Bronx amusement park, <clears throat> which if, if you look at the very last panel on the very last page, the A in amusements is the A in arcade, but I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's not relevant. Maybe it is. Well, and the girls who are supposedly dealt with permanently are shot up. Uh, I don't know what they're 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 descending upon the abandoned amusement park in uh, parachutes. They mistake them for fireworks at first. Fireworks? Yes. No, it's the girls, Colleen, Betsy, and Amanda, and Nightcrawler, my favorite girl, <laughs> wrapped up like Christmas packages. Arcade says that it's uh, round one to you, X Men. Till next time, Arcade. Hmm. Arcade does seem to have a crazy sense of honor. I think the fight's over. Not for me, it ain't. Arcade owes me all for all the lumps I've taken tonight, and I aim to collect. Wolverine, think. Don't talk. Just think. Ah, the note, it's disintegrating, Banshee thinks. And Cyclops, the rest of the comic is lame. Cyclops convinced Wolverine not to go after him. And... Yeah, I mean, essentially, Wolverine wants to go after him, uh... And somebody else wants... To, well, actually, he also says, uh, we need to go after him because we nobody's going to arrest these people, and they decide that nobody's going to arrest anybody because there's no proof. Uh, they can't prove that Arcade kidnapped him. They can't prove where it is, even though they just... I don't know. It's kind of stupid. Wolverine was planning to kill him anyway, so I don't know what difference it makes. Yeah. Wolverine thinks that they're running away. We get a nice... Kind of a nice silhouetted uh, picture of the X-Men walking away 
And I think these last two pages just seemed really rushed. Well, you're right. Arcade wanted us dead. We trashed his setup and forced him to let us go. Like it or not, we'll have to be content with that this time. And uh, this time, they didn't. Murder World did not get completely destroyed. So that's good, at least. Yeah. So there'll be a Murder World for us to uh, visit next time. So I can't wait. Next episode, we we would do X-Men number 125, but instead, we're going to do King Size Annual number 3. Because, so get ready for that. Because that's where it falls in our omnibuses and Marvel Masterworks. Interestingly enough, in the X-Mail of this issue, there is a comment referring to how time works in the Marvel Universe. Poorly. Uh, yes. <laughs> Time and time again, we read and hear references to Scott and Jean's 14-year romance. <laughs> if that were the case, assuming they were 18 and 17 years old respectively when they met, both of them would be in their early to middle 30s. However, as they aren't in their 30s, they can't possibly have been together 14 years. In fact, the rule of thumb used at Marvel is that it's been maybe five or six years since Xavier founded the X-Men. If that, which I would... means that Jean and Scott have been together and in love for maybe three or four years. Yeah. So there are still a lot of things each has to learn about the other, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I, yeah, I would say that even the five years number would be a, a bit high, don't you? Yeah, I'd probably, yeah. Yeah, probably more like three years. <laughs> so, interesting. Well, we uh, did get a iTunes review. Uh, it is from WaxLion78. He says... Uh, first of all, he gave us a five-star review, so that's fantastic. But secondly, he says, not a hoax, not a dream. In this review, an X-Man dies. Or not. The Danger Room podcast is masterfully guided trip down the road of classic X-Men comics, not to mention the less, the less than masterfully written X-Men classic line. The dastardly duo of Adam and Jeremy cleverly and lovingly poke fun at the comic series we all love, sometimes despite itself. Beware laughter within. And until we quit the podcast to open a bar that serves only fastball specials, make mine danger room. Very, very Marvel-inspired letter. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, it was uh, really well written. Absolutely. Lots of uh, lots of good stuff to say. They should all be like that. Although I like the awesome ones just as well. They're they're all awesome. Yes. Adam, didn't you? I mean, speaking of bars that only serve fastball specials and variations thereupon, didn't you make a variation drink? Uh, my uh, ex girlfriend actually created a uh, one that we we called the Snicked Elixir. Yeah, and what was that? This particular drink is. A combination of Canadian whiskey, Canada Dry, and a dose of blood orange juice. Hmm. So we're going to have to sample that in an upcoming episode. So you haven't taste tested that one yet, have you? I have not. So based upon that idea of like, well, it doesn't just have to be a fastball special, now the sky's the limit, right? So ex-fans, Danger Room fans, if you have ideas for... Uh, X-related drinks, you should definitely send them in. Uh, maybe even just post them on Facebook so everybody gets the benefit of them. One idea Adam and I were kicking around, but we couldn't quite figure out the uh, ingredients to, would be a drink simply called the Banff. Yes. So somebody... Which somehow has to be a colored drink, either blue or purple, 
Maybe with a let me maybe a smoky drink. Yeah, maybe it's a drink you set on fire. Uh, obviously, you don't want it to smell like sulfur. Maybe you do. I don't know, but that might be kind of <laughs> weird. Uh, so, so you know, put your thinking caps on and tell us what a dark phoenix tastes like. Or, or oh, that's a good one. Uh, do we get any, any other letters or Facebooks or anything? No, well, no, there you I go, folks. That, I think that's it. For the 2014 New Year, that is your task: is to come up with that perfect X-related drink. And Adam Drinks and I, are plenty. Adam and I will take a look at all the recipes and whatever we have in our cabinets or whatever we find really compelling, we will make and sample right on this yeah, very we'll podcast. we'll probably end up trying them all. <laughs> if there's only three submissions, yes, we will try them all. Well, there's only going to be about three or four, so... <laughs> the challenge is out there, folks. Speaking of uh, 2014, I compiled together the fact that in 2011 we released... 27 episodes and in 2012 we released 39 episodes and in 2013 so far we have released 40 episodes if you get this one out by tomorrow jeremy it'll be 41 wow just as i promised in the beginning of 2013 we would release more content this year than we have in any year previous and we i think i promised that but that's okay. Did you? We're kind of the same. I thought I did, Adam. Maybe it was you. I like to take credit for your work. I know you do. It's all right. All right. Fine. Then in 2014, <laughs> we will release more content than we did in 2013. Oh, that's, that's very creative, Jeremy. <laughs> yes, yes. And we'll invent more X-related drinks. Yes, that's for certain. Oh, any Actually, any final thoughts you wanted to, to uh, speak about regarding Arcade? Oh, we did get one letter about Arcade, yes. uh, which you just reminded me about on the Facebook. Um, he basically said that uh, Arcade was uh, essentially everything that was wrong with the 70s, or definitely a product of the 70s, uh, and he never really cared for Arcade. And his first experience with Arcade was in issue 204, which I think was my first experience with Arcade as well. And that was David Steele. So with that said, let's jump right into Classic X-Men number 30. And uh, I gotta say, there's this opening splash panel, it's called Play With Me, of a young uh, Archie running away from a devilish cab train airplane and uh what looks like howard the duck isn't one of those guys from the muppets which one the one in the upper left hand corner no that dude looks like howard the duck isn't that the guy from the that like blows things up oh he kind of looks like him too i can't remember what his <laughs> name was but uh this is classic x-men number 30 the february what are we 1988 89 88 i believe and uh this one features a cover with wolverine stabbing Hulk's head, mm -hmm. and uh, the inside front cover features Colossus bearing the uh, Russian flag, I suppose, S this hammer and sickle. Steve Lytle has done our front cover and uh, front piece, this little sickle thing. John Bolton only graces us with the back cover. No, he does the art for this one. Does he? Yeah, for, for Play With Me, yeah, he's back. Okay. Uh, Anne Nascenti writes... John Bolton draws. Okay. Gets him a little surprised because it's not it's not a great example of John Bolton's work. It's a rush job. Yeah. Well, some of it's okay. Like the splash panel that I was talking about. Like the, the crazy creatures are pretty cool and the colors are really nice. But Archie here running away from them is kind of, kind of well, kind of silly looking. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
And so we'll, it's Arcade. He wakes up from a nightmare and says, no, I don't want to play with you. And this is where I got confused. Is he like 12 here? Uh, I think he is younger, yes. Well, no, he's not. No, this is, this is now because he's got a murder world. I know that. But if you look at him in his drawing, he looks like he's 12. He's yeah, in... he's being drawn. And he's wearing pajamas, too, which doesn't help. He's wearing pajamas. He's in a room with a rocking horse. I guess they're just trying to make him a comically youthful character. So he wakes up from his nightmare. It's stormy outside. He's scared by his rocking horse. And he notices that his computer system is beeping at him. In this next panel, he's stomping down towards his computer as a 12-year-old would stomp towards whatever. Yeah, none of these are in continuity. <laughs> Someone's operating Murder World. Why, I'll, whoever the dirty rat is, boy, I'll get him. I mean, even that dialogue is not aged um, arcade. Yes, already this story is not doing so well. His pajamas are carrying, like, knives and guns and bottles of arsenic and nooses. They're kind of humorous pajamas. Someone's being chased through Murder World. Who programmed the computer? Who's being murdered tonight? No fair. This is my toy. And immediately I realized what was going on. What? <laughs> really? You got it that quickly? Yep. No. Well, I didn't because I was too busy trying to figure out what the hell was going on because in the original story we determined that at 21 he murdered his father and shortly after that he built Murder World. But this guy is clearly 12 or 13 years old. And so then, as as whoever is getting murdered in Murder World is being murdered, he's jumping up and down. He's got stink lines above his head, and he's going, no fair, no fair. Who's the stinking rotter? What, is he British now? <laughs> I'll get them. And then he goes into Murder World to figure it out. And this is where he dresses up in his standard arcade white suit with... For some reason, he looks a little more goofy as John Bolton draws him than normal. Maybe his head's bigger. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is. At least in here, I can be like, okay, it's just John Bolton drawing Arcade. But in those previous pages, he looks like a little boy. It's Maybe it's the one-piece pajamas that he's wearing as well. And the bunny slippers. <laughs> it's all wrong. Well, <coughs> excuse me, in Murder World, he's got giant axes that are like robot axes hacking away at him. Gosh, Murder World is dangerous he says as a giant android chainsaw or actually it looks like a uh, a um, uh, uh, shrub trimmer thing <laughs> yeah you know what i'm trying to say yep uh that thing comes and misses him but cuts through the metallic robotic axe by the way these yard tools are like four times the size of arcade yes it's true they're not regular size yard mm -hmm. tools and they also have legs Yes, and mouths, and eyes. Yeah. Arcade takes a little gun and shoots. He goes pew pew. <laughs> no, pacow. goes pacow. So there, so yeah, yeah. And now there are strange, familiar shadows that are stalking him and shooting at him. And it turns out that it's a panda bear and a stuffed rabbit and a stuffed dog. And apparently, these are Arcade's toys from when he was a kid. Hey, I used to notice Brett used to try to twist my head off. Yeah, and he pulled half my stuffing out. Yeah, I used to have to tail till he yanked it. Iron Fist, or, I'm sorry, Power Man joins the fray. <laughs> I was running out of place. <laughs> hey, I know you. You're my old toys. Don't shoot. Don't you remember? We used to play together. 
Blam, bang, boom. And he is in a uh, giant uh, duck shooting thing, whatever you call those things. That's where they reveal the twist. At least I know who, who's programmed to be murdered. Me! And somebody's singing la la la, zoom zoom, meow. <laughs> and it's a. He's playing with my toys. It's little boy version of me. How sweet. Yeah. And a uh, little boy version of him. Hold. I'm trying to figure out. So he holds up a Jack in the Box, but the little version of him rips off the Jack in the Box's nose. Either Jack in the Box or a doll. I don't know what it is. It's just a doll. I think you're right. So then Arcade gets set to beat the kid who is himself with the toy. And then we get a close-up of the toy, and it's got a totally different face than in the wide shot. It looks frightened, but in every other picture, he looks happy. Right. I think that's supposed to be like... Yeah, it's creative license. Alliterative? Something like that. And the young version of Arcade's like, no more, no more. And his dad comes in and he's always wasting my money, you rotten kid. No, daddy, no, says older Arcade. But daddy walks by older Arcade and goes to younger Arcade and says, I'll show you. And that's when we realize that Arcade is potentially becoming his father or something like that. Arcade smashes his father over the head with a train. It turns out his father is a robot. Yeah, but a robot who bleeds. Well, yeah. Huh. They all bleed. It's okay. He won't hurt you anymore. Poor kid. Poor me. I'll protect you. I wish I could go back in time and protect you. Thunk. The little kid's leg drops off, and then he realizes the kid is also a robot. He drops him and leaves and goes back to his main monitor. Says, who did this? I'll get in here. I'll get through the codes. I'll find out who did this to me. Which one of my enemies? Whose brilliant sick joke is this? And it turns out that it's Arcade. Program author, Arcade. Arcade? Me? When? In my sleep? I did it to myself? Why? Why? The end. So it's just, you know, I guess trying to be, it's like an M. Night Shyamalan arcade before M. Night Shyamalan was M. Night Shyamalan. I give that that story to Mez. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there you go. That story was terrible. So, do any other reading, Adam? I read Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man number 17 and number 18, where we learn what happened with the dissolution of the champions. Uh, We basically cut to that last panel where they're like, what are we going to do? And everybody says, "Eh, I quit. I'm out of here. And uh, Ghost Rider says, uh, I've grown tired of fighting for this pile of bricks. Besides, none of you want me here. Johnny Ghost Rider, that's not true. So he goes, and then uh Iceman's girlfriend goes, I have tried to belong here, Bobby, but I can stay no longer. I wish to go home to my people, to Russia. But I love you. You can't. But she does. Oh, poor Bobby. He's all sad. And then Hercules and Black Widow leave as well. And so Angel is now alone. And so the story takes place with Peter Parker visiting L.A. for to photo shoot the breakup of the champions. And he gets attacked outside their building. And he discovers a... Uh, a blackmailing pr- plot, and it turns out that Rampage has created a, uh, gotten out of the hospital, faked a coma, and is wrapped up all in bandages, and he's taken his old Rampage costume, and he's got somebody running around inside of it, and spoilers, it turns out to be Iceman, 
So in the next issue, they Iceman and or Angel and Spider Man fight Iceman. Who's Rampage? Um, minor champions villain that will probably never be heard of again. Oh, okay. Um, Spider Man goes through a car wash with Iceman. I thought that was kind of amusing. Uh, he uses scalding hot steam to melt Iceman's ice. That makes sense. <laughs> and so Iceman comes out de-iced, and that that cures him of his brainwashing. And um, turns out the building contractor sabotaged the champion's building. And uh, yeah, this this wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good issue, or what? Not a good two-parter. A bad way for the uh, the champions to end. Hmm. Angel gets all his money back, though. How does he get his money back? Well, because he threatens the contractors. Oh. And then they promise to uh, rent out his property free of charge and. All his debts are canceled. and Don't they become defenders at some point, though? No, that's a whole other group. Oh. But doesn't Angel and, and Iceman and Beast all become defenders? Uh, not yet. Uh, Havoc will become a defender in an upcoming run. Oh, okay. But we, we're, we'll probably get there in a week or two. Okay. Or in an episode or two. Uh, next, I did Miss Marvel number 17. Okay. Which uh, features the first full-on appearance of... Uh, Mystique disguised as Nick Fury as she invades S.H.I.E.L.D. on her vendetta against uh, Carol Danvers, Ms. Marvel, Mm -hmm. which was pretty interesting. It was kind of like watching an X-Men movie of sorts without any X-Men in it. She pulled a lot of the same sneak-around tactics as uh, Mystique in the movies. Cool. Uh, And the best part about this was there was a reference to Godzilla. Um, let me see if I can find it here. Oh yeah. Uh, who's to know? I mean, Fury's ground side for a few, for a week, testing, test, testify him before Congress and Dum Dum Dugan and most of the top operations brass are on the coast chasing big lizards. So quit worrying, buddy, and enjoy the show. It's a subtle reference to Godzilla. So that means that Godzilla is a part of the Marvel universe, Adam. It's it's it now does. been referenced twice. It's it's. I have to admit, it does. <laughs> Transformers were still on the fence about, but Godzilla for sure. <laughs> so uh, Raven steals the um, a, a super gun and super armor to help take down Carol Danvers, which takes us into Miss Marvel number 18, where she meets up with the Avengers who help her defeat Centurion, who is the guy in the armor that Mystique stole. And I think here's where we get our first appearance of, yeah, here it is, Blue Mystique. And she is apparently working for somebody else who wants to kill Carol Danvers. So do they talk at all about why they have such a thing against Carol Danvers? Not yet. Okay. It's still a mystery. Okay. And we get uh, her full name, uh, Raven uh, what is it? Uh, Darkholm. Yep. Yeah. So. Cool. That's all. Um, obviously, Miss Marvel and the Avengers defeat the, the plot to kill Miss Marvel. Sure. Of course they do. So that's all. All right, then. We hope you had a happy 2013. We hope you enjoyed the podcast that we produced this year. We hope that you'll stick around with us next year and tell a couple of friends, provide us some drink recipes, and, and maybe, Adam, we could have a New Year's resolution goal of is there anything we can double like double our listeners but i don't know even how we could quantify that we could double our our how about this will lessen the amount of classic x-men we do ah (laughs) that is a promise that we can stick by 
There will yeah. be less classic X-Men in 2014 than there was in 2013. Yay. Yeah. So until next year, my friends, the Danger Room is closed. Eleven, twelve.